I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to... Jokes with Mark Simmons, the podcast where I chat to another comedian about jokes they can't get to work. As always, I am joined by producer Joel. Hey! Producer Joel, we are back. With hey, a, it's good to be back. With a bang. I haven't bang. seen you, Joel, for ages. I know, I know. How exciting. How have you been? Great. Have you? Just having a good time. Just... It's nearly Christmas. It is. Nearly There's a whole Christmas. new variant in town. Oh, I know. It feels like and nothing's I've got changed. A little bit of a croaky voice, Joel. Oh and I'm a, no! I've done a test this morning, and it's okay. But are they reliable? Yeah, and sometimes you feel symptoms for a few days before you test positive. Don't say that, Joel. I'm sure it'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's always positive. fine, isn't it? No, do you know? No, no positive is no. not what you want to be. No, negative. Let's be. Let's negative. be negative. Oh, yeah. this is shit. So, Joel, it's nearly Christmas. Are you all ready? I think I'm ready. I'm not. I think I'm ready. Christmas, I don't, I don't know if it's the same for you, but um, most people sort of clock off from work and, you know, just before Christmas and don't really do anything till January. But mm. the, the majority of my work, well, pretty much all of my work is football related. And yeah. there isn't really a busier time than oh, Christmas. There's so no. much. So, um I, I just work loads over Christmas, but I it's fine. Same, you know, I enjoy it. We're in the same. Exactly. Boat. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's right. quite annoying, isn't it? Because everyone else you talk to, they sort. Of, you talk to people and they're like, "Oh, yeah, last day in the office is the twentieth of December," and then I sort of go back on about the fifth. You think, I know. What, what are you talking about? Also, Christmas gigs are generally the worst people because what yeah. happens is you've got Christmas parties, and maybe eighty percent of the people in the Christmas party don't like comedy. But yeah, they have to come because it's the Christmas party. So they get bored. They start chatting. I did a gig the other day and massive fight kicked off, Joe. <laughs> There's another act on stage. I was closing, but I wasn't. Yeah. It, was, it was in the middle section. And this table, right, so this one table were talking loads at the front. Yeah. And then at the back, I'll stand at the back watching. And there was this table of girls and they weren't interested in the comedy. They They ordered... I think 12 Jaeger bombs during <laughs> the act. I was like, oh no, they're going to be awful when I'm on. Yeah. And then, and they were chatting loads. Mm. And then the act on stage started talking um, to uh, the group at the front, the group of blokes, mm. sort of telling them to shut up. And he did that thing where you get the whole audience on your side and they all go, yeah, shut up. And this table of girls were going, yeah, shut up. <laughs> like you were talking more than them. Brilliant. Oh, and then so the bouncers kicked those the the couple of the guys out from the front. Yeah, and uh, I went out into the corridor, and Hugh, it was all kicking off big time, like pushing, shoving. Wow! Police were called. Yes, yeah, where Joel. was it? I, I don't want to reveal the name of the club because I don't think it's it's not it's not it's not their fault. No, the not at all. Come. Yeah, but it was it was near Reading. Okay, interesting. There you go. But it doesn't yeah. matter. It's just people, just drug idiots. Just, just people, yeah. Some people. Have you got, is that the worst Christmas gig you've ever done? I can't think, I can't think of anything that's kicked off more than that. Hmm. But all that table of blokes at the front got kicked out and I had a lovely one. Oh, perfect. So it was actually one of my favourite gigs in the last month. Oh, happy days. Yeah, yeah. So uh, 
Andrew White, a comedian, uh, took the bullet in the middle section and he took it very well. He's very funny with it. Coped really well, considering it was full of assholes. Excuse my (laughs) French. Um, So, good. There we go. Well, that's uh, anything else to catch up on, Joel? I don't think so, Mark. Enjoy that. Would love, to hear, love, would love to hear more dispatches from Christmas <laughs> gigs as December goes on. Yeah, yeah, there will be more. Yeah, as long as I haven't got COVID, it'll be fine. I'll yeah. be out and about. Fingers crossed. Uh, so, Joel, I mean, I can't. It's been so long since we've done this. I'm so excited to be putting them out again. Um, I can't remember. Do we do we do anything else in this bit, or do we crack? I think we do. I think with... we get when we've got a guest as good as this. I think we get straight into it. Yes, we've got Shaparak Kosandi formerly known as Shappy Corsandi, because you looked a little bit confused when I said that then, Joe. No, 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 no. Are you aware? Of course I'm across this. I'm I'm in on comedy, mate. I know about the comings and goings and comedy, <laughs> the news. <laughs> what else is happening in the news and comedy? Oh. Come on there, Joe. What's, what's going on? Big, look, quite a lot of big stuff. <laughs> um, succession was really good. There is you that go. comedy? Comedy drama. You've not watched it, have you? I haven't yet, no. Well, I, Ridiculous. I, I couldn't Ridiculous. find Ridiculous. it. You've got all this time. You love watching TV and you just watch Cobra Kai over and over again. Cobra Kai's coming out soon, Joel. <laughs> but that is not what we're here to talk about. No. We've got someone who has been on Live the Apollo, 8 out of 10 Cats. A lot. The, the lot. And she's put out a new novel. I would say a household comedy name. Called Kissing Emma. Go go get it. And that's... Well, Joel, I mean, you should read that because your girlfriend is called Emma. She is. Yeah. And I hope one day to kiss her. Oh, isn't that nice? Well, I think... I think we should get straight on with the podcast because we haven't had one for a while and this is a doozy. Cracking. You didn't really invite me on your podcast. I invited myself, didn't I? Didn't I just tweet you and say, can I be on your podcast? I don't I don't remember. Oh, maybe. That's nice. I, I like that. I've asked you a long time ago, though. We've definitely sort of been back and forward a bit with it, but just That's never it. got around to it, I think. That's it. And I and then I um, was reminded of it because I started listening to lots of comedians podcasts. In- oh, yeah. Um. Because I miss comedians. I never, mm. I never thought I miss the chat. Yeah, I miss that level of banter, which is a word I don't use very often. But it's hard to get that level of banter unless it's between two comics or several comics. And so I just felt like if I listened to comics podcasts, it felt like I was in a green room, but not really joining in. Oh, that's nice. That's what I'm like. I'm just quite quiet in green rooms, and I chip in every so often. I don't yeah. really hold court. I wouldn't say. I have held court before when yeah. I've been permitted, <laughs> <laughs> but but I I always enjoy the chat. Are you back in green rooms and that now? Are you? What are you doing at the moment? Are you? Because we sort of we gig together, sort of we, we sort of passed. I was opening, you were closing one gig. So are you doing many gigs at the moment? I'm doing a tour, a really. Um, well, it's quite a small tour. I'm only doing 20 dates, but I'm going to extend it. Mm. But I I am doing, yeah, I have been doing gigs. I have been doing gigs. I don't really do the clubs that often. So I did the banana, but I don't like travel and do the glees or anything, mm. um, which I miss. But I do do like top secret, banana, headliners, nice. um uh, oh, some other uh, and, and some other ones in London that I'm too hungover to remember. <laughs> and I do travel for them. Yes, I do. Um, and it's a a lot of fun. Is it all right if I say to your listeners that I'm hungover so they don't? Just, oh yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, I'm yeah, rambling yeah. aimlessly, which I am. I mean, I am rambling aimlessly, but um, it's because I had too much to drink with comedians last night. There That's nice. That's on topic as well because you talk about hanging out with comedians. Yeah, so the the tour show I'm doing is about the 90s mm. and about sort of the what we what we called the ladette culture where the girls sort of had to outdrink the boys and oh. uh, binge drinking was so normal and about how it, it took me a long time to figure out it wasn't normal. <laughs> yeah. And I carried on doing it long into the noughties. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And I, I watched sober comedians do really well in their careers. 
I was like, oh, what, you're not drinking on stage? Oh, what? oh professional. Oh, I see. So anyway, I'm really excited about this. I haven't prepared at all, which is my MO generally. I was going to ask you first about, because you've, you've just released your second novel, third book. Oh, yeah, Kissing Emma. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes, Kissing Emma. Oh, my, well, yeah. <laughs> is my third book, second novel. Mm. And it's about a girl called Emma, um, who is uh, kissed a lot by ne'er-do-wells. What's a and ne'er-do-well? And he climbs out of that pit. What's a ne'er-do-well? Good, it's a good word, isn't it? Um, never do well, like hopeless, oh. badden, wrongen, kissed by wrongens. Um, I was talking to someone very, very fancy once, and he asked me who um, who my husband was, and I said I don't have a husband. He goes, "Oh, you're separated from your daughter's father," and I said, "Well, we actually separated when I was. He left me when I was pregnant," and he went, "Ah." He was a ne'er do well. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put that in my um, vocabulary. That'll get me in with the young ones. I wanna, I wanna have a younger audience. So I'm using expressions like ne'er do well and um, nink and poop. And oh, I love nink and poop. Yeah, things that I think that um, young people will go, hey, oopsie daisy. Oopsie daisy. Oh no, that's not a young person, I guess. Who is oopsie daisy? Oopsie daisy. That's that's a that's not a, a person. That's a so when you try to do something and you don't quite do it, oopsie daisy. Never I think that's that. something when um when like you're looking after a toddler and it spills milk. There we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All over your velvet <laughs> sofas and you go oopsie daisy instead of what the fuck have you done? Yeah. <laughs> that's an oopsie daisy. <laughs> so so the writing process is it much different to when you do stand stand up writing for like writing your novel? That's a very interesting question. So my writing process didn't really exist. My writing process only exists existed now with my new stand-up show because the one um, because I have attention deficit disorder, right? So mm. it wasn't diagnosed all this year. Oh. So in Edinburgh, when I went up to write my show, I did it old school. I started writing a show on the train, got to Edinburgh, had a week of work in progress. <laughs> And I did that thing uh, that other comics, had, I, had, I'd seen them do it. I'd heard them talking about it when they take a tape recorder. Well, not tape recorder, but they're of their phone. They record mm. their preview. They go home. They mark it down. They listen to it. They find the funny bits. They construct it. I have done that, Mark Simmons, for the first time in my life with my new show. It was the 90s. And oh. that has been because... I have been on ADHD medication and therapy, and it has absolutely changed the way my brain works. Wow. And I'm so looking forward to writing my next book because my next book will also be under this new me that is able to That's amazing. Whereas before, I just, for 20 years, I've just winged it. I've just been winging it. And when, like your podcast, it's like jokes that didn't work. I'm like, where have I ever written my jokes down? Oh, I haven't really written them down, but I have found a pile of old notebooks that I've um, scribbled in from like, some of them date, do date back to the nineties to share with you, but um, I didn't really so, have a writing process. So would you, so would you, have you noticed a, a diff, difference in the, like the quality? Would you say your show's got better? I am. I would say I'm, I'm five times the comic I was before. I had to think about that. Wow. Where can yeah. I get these drugs from? <laughs> Matt, you know, I'll tell you something, Mark. ADHD is not, I don't think it's an affliction. I think it's as ordinary as being left-handed, but the world isn't set up to fit people with ADHD in the world of work. And that's why a lot of us end up in as comics and in the creative industry, because we can't, not follow our passions because we can't we don't have the attention span to do anything even for five minutes that we're not really interested in and that's not being big-headed that's not being oh no this is beneath me it's like i physically can't i literally can't i'm gonna claw my skin off some comics i've spoken to 
fully believe they're ADHD and I'm not an I'm not a psychiatrist but um, I've read a lot and listened to loads of podcasts about it and I, I, I would see it in them and they're worried that it will take away their edge that um oh, what if they took like medication for it yeah and they tend to be comics who are like super 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 successful and my point is I'm not super, super, super successful. So it's only added, I don't have that worry. I know that it's debilitated me. I know that it's held me back. Um, and sometimes I have to stop myself feeling sad that had I um, been diagnosed earlier on, what could I have achieved? And and that's, that's really, you know, a useless way of thinking and you have to sort of just let that bit go. But with this new show, like I, oh man, I feel it. I went on just a minute and for the first time in my 15 years of doing just a minute, I got through a minute without hesitation, repetition or deviation <laughs> on the pills. Whereas before it, it was a joke that, oh, Shappy can never do longer than 10 seconds. They, uh, always, I'm, I'm scared now they won't book me back because I'm no longer the one that, oh, look, yeah, yeah, yeah you didn't do longer than 10 seconds again. So it, it only helped my career. What happened today? So when, um, with the actual joke writing and sort of did, did it does did it, does it affect so if you do a joke and it doesn't work and then you have to come back to the same joke and then try and work on it and change it and try it and come back was that hard for you to do before to, to, to... yeah I never really came back to jokes because my focus didn't stay I would just either either I would do a joke that clearly didn't work for far 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 too long or I didn't stay there and mine it and mm. Again, ADHD gave me a leveling of anxiety that I didn't realize I had until I got help for it. Because you know that thing they say, a dog doesn't know it's a dog. I didn't know I had such anxiety. I went mm. to see um, some friends of mine perform at Live at the Apollo the other day, the other week. And I was so flabbergasted by how chilled it was. And how when the three times I did Live at the Apollo, it was like I was walking the plank. <laughs> Like, and I just thought, why did I miss that opportunity of enjoying this? Mm -hmm. I was so full of anxiety because the ADHD just sent my brain messages in all the wrong directions. Um, so yeah, now I go back, like on tour, there's some things that I'm like, no, 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 there's something else there. And I'm not afraid to ask other comics. Mm come and have a look or talk to me about it. Whereas before I'd be like, I can't ask other comics. Oh my God, I can't possibly. And now yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah, great. You can help me. Brilliant. Cause. Can you think of any bits that you've changed or anything that need to do? Oh, there's, there's, there's little, little things. Um, for example, um, when I go into a bit that seems serious. So I went to school with, um, Steve McQueen, right. Mm -hmm. And, um, he was two years above me and we went to a school in the eighties that really didn't cater for dyslexic kids and, and has since apologized for institutionalized racism. So, mm. um, I found it really interesting, his experience at our school, because in every interview he talks about our school and how as a dyslexic, um, black kid, they wouldn't let him do art. They, um, were trying to, convince him to do a plumbing course and in my show I say they didn't let him do art and he went on to win the Turner Prize <laughs> and I said and to me they they um they told me I should be a oh, I've, I've just said the joke wrong they told him he should be a plumber and wouldn't let him do art and he went on to win the Turner Prize they told me that I wouldn't achieve anything academically and I should be a travel rep and I went on to host the National Toilet Awards. <laughs> so, okay. That killed me doing that hungover, by the way. But it took me a while to get to the National Toilet Awards. Because mm. I'd, forgot, okay. I'd, I'd, even, I'd forgot I'd even done them. So I kept made doing comparisons that weren't self-deprecating enough. So a couple of times I did that and the audience applauded me, like as in, yay, go girl, you followed your dreams. Mm. And I was like, oh God, the thing I chose wasn't silly enough. Yeah, it's, it's great because, I mean, because I assume everyone's thinking, I, I was thinking you were going to talk about your, like writing a novel. That's where I, that's the natural way I thought you were going because you said academic. Yeah. So that's a really nice twist because. Well, yeah, because, um, 
the first couple of times I did it, it sounded like uh, glory stories. Mm. Um, and, and I'm not interested in glory stories as a stand-up. I want to look a dick. I want to be an absolute <laughs> fool. I want them to laugh at me mm. and be self-deprecating. So I just thought, oh, God, dick, God, no, that wasn't what I intended. And then I... Oh. And I would, Can you remember what one of the first examples you used? I think um, it was something like... Oh God! You know what? I've I've written it down somewhere, but I I didn't bring the proper notebook because um, national toilet awards uh, is so funny though. Yeah, a- I mean it would have been like an and I have performed in an empty swimming pool in Amsterdam, which I okay. did once. Or and, and I have uh, I came third in Peter. Um, hold on, I came third in Peterborough Comedian of the Year, and that got a round of applause. And I was like, Oh my God! Number one, I came first in Peterborough of the Year. I said third because I thought that's more self-deprecating. And third in Peterborough Comedian of the Year. And I just thought, Well, they don't get that in our industry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> comedian isn't a thing. That's so hilarious that-, that they were they were congratulating you. Oh yay! <laughs> Turner Prize has got to be so far away from the Turner Prize. And, and I'm quite a stickler for truth. So I don't want to absolutely make something up. And I thought, wait a minute, I have, and I I, I heard myself um, tell some friends that I posted the National Toilet Awards and they really laughed. And I was like, that's it. That's the punchline to that joke. Got it. I only just yeah, started yeah. to do really normal things like that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. That's that's the process, isn't it? Isn't that weird? That's so interesting how that's changed for you. Yeah, it's thinking about my show all the time, mm. um, which is something I didn't do before because I was scared. Do I was you think? Because this might I don't know much about ADHD really, but do you think because your stuff's always been I not that dissimilar to my, my style? I think in that you're quite short, sharp punchline bang bang do you think that is because you didn't because you didn't want to sort of get lost on yeah in a story oh right yeah Narr- narrative um I remember one of the first notes that came back from my first publisher was narrative is your Achilles heel <laughs> and I think that's massively to do with ADHD so when I used to do improv classes, I couldn't always keep up when we did long narratives. And likewise with um, just a minute, when you try and speak for a minute without hesitation, repetition or deviation, you have to follow the narrative. And now I can see the narrative in my head yeah. where I couldn't before. So being a set up punch, set up punch comic, and I learned it, I learned it at Jonglers, you know, so a lot of people listening might not remember the scene in the 90s where um, these clubs called Jonglers were all over the country and they were full of punters who really didn't want to hear whimsical. They didn't want to hear flights of fancy. They wanted machine gun fire, rat-a-tat-tat jokes, right? Mm. And so that absolutely suited me. And I became that sort of, I feel like bulletproof Jonglers mm. comic, which which now people sort of speak about it in quite derivative terms as oh uh, club comic, mm. and I think club comic is 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 my badge of honour. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the industry changed, and things did become much more about narrative. And I and you know I I want to move forward. I want to move on with the with the craft and all of that. And I watched hour-long shows where people took me on a journey but I found it quite hard to build one like that myself mm. and so I was you know I did all right I did all right I did a show about Emma Hamilton I did but with this show about it was the 90s actually engaging and using both skills actually engaging with taking the audience on a journey having layers that process in my stand-up has been new to me because I've um, relied so heavily on my think in the moment um, sort of chutzpah, I guess, mm. um, having my mojo with me, um, which is important all the time. But now I realize you can actually do both. Mm, yeah. And it's um, now that my anxiety is gone, I feel that I'm so much more creative and I can talk about comedy without feeling anxious about it 
it's a spur. <laughs> so you've got you've got a a notepad with you. You found one from your school, but is that's not the one you you've been? No, using? no, no, no. <laughs> so this one, I'm. I haven't gone through anything and um, thought, oh, I'll, t I'll talk to him about this, talk to him about that, because I didn't really have um, a process until very recently. What did I you do thought, when you first started? Because did, did you do the Jill Edwards course that like Sean Walsh has done? And was, um, Yeah, there? I did. I did do that. And what I found was I... Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It got together like 10 minutes that worked mm. and I was too scared to change it Aye. for about eight years. I was in <laughs> such a state of arrested development. And then I found that when I was on the circuit like the like now there's so many comedians who aren't white and back then there were so few of us and I um it was sort of made very clear to me by the industry that if you want to get ahead if you want to get commissions if you want to get on tele programs this is what you need to do and I felt um that for a lot of years I was sort of hung hung on a hook with all that right. kind of stuff so I found it very hard to get out of it I felt a bit like um, a friend of mine who's a musical comedian, and once he went on stage without his guitar to have a go, having been, you know been a professional guitar comic, and then on the way his way home he texts me and he went, "I don't know how you non musical how you non musical comics do it," and I felt a little bit. I'd watch someone do jokes about you know going into the supermarket or stealing their flatmate's toothpaste, and I'd be like. Oh God, I wish I could talk about ordinary stuff like that, but I've, oh. I've now built this setup that's about being Iranian and being Middle Eastern and terrorism. And I feel so anxious to step out of it. Yeah, how do you transition to the... Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting, yeah. It's really hard. And I had no one to talk about it to because there, there was no one else. You know, there was no one else to talk about it to. And then I moved right away from it and I did shed an audience because I know that my audience would be absolutely chock-a-block full of people who had come to hear the nice Iranian lady speak and they were really interested in it because they're, you know, they'd spent some time in the 50s working for the Iranian oil, oil industry. And I did a show called um, Dirty Looks and Hopscotch that was just pretty much about this disgusting, vile um, relationship I had with a horrid man. And it was a lot about sex and his perversions and I... And I think that audience just went, oh, not quite what we had in mind from her. So I did sort of take a bit of a gamble and sort of let go of audiences that used to fill up like 800 seater venues when I was talking about my background and they lost interest uh, in that. 
and I had to sort of rebuild and I still feel I am rebuilding because I'm only, you know, really, um, I feel like I'm only properly being myself on stage now. Do you you think you could, do you get people that are fans of your novels coming to see you live? Do you think, or is that completely separate? They do. And that's really great because they tend to be um, young and I fell in love with comedy when I was young, when I was in my teens and twenties. And there is an excitement, an excitement that young people bring to your shows because they're so excited about the very fact that they're seeing a live stand-up show. Um, I get such a thrill out of that because I know that I can, they're not expecting anything from me other than being made to laugh and, you know, they're not, um, they're just, oh God, when I write, okay, talk about my writing process. So I've written two novels and they're both centered around teenage girls. Uh So one of my kissing Emma is um, deliberately written as a, a novel aimed at young adults, young teens. Um, but um, Nina's Not Okay is my novel about an 18-year-old alcoholic. And it's aimed at me. It's 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 me. It's my story. It's like me in the 90s, but I've mm. put her in now. And when I write, I even now, my new thing that I'm writing, again, it's a teenage, and it's not deliberate, but for me, going back to my youth when I'm being creative feels so much what I um, really need to be doing. Like I get asked to do stuff like, you know, being a mom as a mother and all of this. And I'm, I'm not like, oh, I don't know. It's not that I'm not interested. Of course I'm interested, but it's not fun. Mm. It's not fun for me to sit down and write write a novel about a single mother living in London and you know whatever that's not fun but what's really fun for me is going back to um the bits that I've kind of healed yeah, <laughs> healed yeah. and reliving my own youth through my characters I find even though they're quite dark my books are quite dark but um, I feel sad sometimes when people go, I bought, I bought Shepard Cross Andy's book because I want to have a right laugh on my plane to Magaloo. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, you're going to cry. <laughs> and they're like, oh, I took a book on holiday and I was crying on the beach. Not what I had in mind, but, you know, a, a good book nonetheless. I find that so fun. Like when I'm mm. writing comedy, I go for the silly, I go for the ridiculous. When I'm writing a book, I get, dark i go to the most horrible feelings that i've had and the darkest feelings that i've had and i walk in those shoes again and, it, and it's and it's um sounds really perverse to say it's fun but it mm. is fun for me because i'm not there anymore yeah but in my stand-up i have no interest in taking my audience anywhere dark yeah i have no interest in that I have really, really enjoyed the um, comedy of people who who do that, that do shows that are perhaps more theatrical. But the minute my audience think I'm going there in stand-up, I flip it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I absolutely flip it. And that, to me, is enormous fun. Um, That's great. In the past with stand-up, sometimes I've gone against my own values to get a laugh. And I think that changes with confidence and with age and and just being more comfortable in your own skin. And also I think that changes with um, being in tune with how culture's changing. So there's some jokes that I did say on the first live at the Apollo that I did that I cringe when people repeat. Oh, really? Because yeah. it's not just that I've moved on as a comic. Our entire culture's moved forward. Oh, uh, yeah. And it's a moving iceberg. Comedy is a moving iceberg along with culture. Um, and if you don't move with it, you get left behind. And I don't sit back and watch past 
shows, even if I've stormed it and gone, I was brilliant there. I, mm. I go, no, I was brilliant last night. Like last yeah, night, yeah. it's not 10 years ago or a year ago. Um, so I was brilliant last night around the table with my friends drinking, by the way. <laughs> God, am I talking too much? I'm over talking. It's my place. No, no, if you don't talk, then it's, it's really awkward. <laughs> There's no podcast. <laughs> I know. So what, what have you got down in your notebook? You oh, yeah, right. Notebook. notebook. What have you got? Okay. I fished this out. This how, is from... how old's this one? Um, judging by the material. Um, this was before I had children and before I met my ex-husband, who I met in, um, I got together with Christian in 2004. Oh, so this is early stages. So this is really early. This will be 90s. This will be... Um, when did you start then? I started in... I did my first ever gig in 1996. Wow. wow. But I wasn't very... I, You know, I, I didn't do gigs very often. And then in 19... Was it in 1996? Um, it was either Radiohead or Pulp that I was desperate to see at Glastonbury. And then I got offered a gig at Glastonbury and I was only a five minute open spot comic. And they said to me, um, have you got 20 minutes? And I lied and I went, yeah. And I, um, no, it was half an hour. I said, I lied, I said, yeah, for, for a ticket to Glastonbury. And I went, died on my hole at, at the comedy tent in Glastonbury. And it was such a terrible experience. I sort of wet myself on the way home as well. Something happened, I can't remember what, but there was some we involved, it was terrible. <laughs> And then I didn't touch comedy for like nearly two years after that. Oh, really? But yeah. So this is when I was still flat sharing. Um, so my friends who have nine to five jobs don't realize that people like me who don't get bored in the day, people, they don't realize that this sound, I sound like an asshole straight away. Immediately, I sound like an asshole. My friends who have 95 jobs don't realise that people like me don't get bored in the day. Like, they're assholes for having jobs. I'm amazing for sitting at home all day nursing a hangover. And they send me funny, funny email lists, like 10 ways to chat men up, 10 ways to eat cakes. And I sort of just list these boring things that they do. I don't know if I thought this was funny. I'm cringing right now. <laughs> That's funny. I've recently, I recently, so th these aren't jokes, but I'm just telling you the sort of things that I would think, oh yeah, audiences will find this hilarious. Audiences that work nine to five and have put their hard earned <laughs> yeah. cash to buy a ticket for the show will love to hear a 25 year old on stage telling them they're losers, <laughs> finding like office jokes funny. They're so funny. Um, I recently had my hair cut. It was all long and lovely, but then my boyfriend dumped me and I cut it because I thought that will show him. <laughs> You've left me, so now I'm going to look like a boy. You know, <laughs> it took me a long time. <laughs> I, love, I really love this. <laughs> That's um, so funny. I could do jokes that work for you, but they're all in my new show, and I just don't want to spoil no, it. No, I mean this is this is such a little time capsule of sort of. Do you know what I am? I am. I am confident enough in the comic that I am today to just read utter shite that I wrote at 25. <laughs> so, so with this notepad, this is that you'd have gone on stage, tried these at new, that this stuff, you don't, you don't remember this being in your regular set ever. Um, I think this was, I think this was in my actual open spot set. Okay. My boyfriend, because this was all about boyfriends, so I would have been in my early 20s. Um, my boyfriend dumped me because he said I was getting too, seri too serious. I only said I want a baby. Uh, I've got to have babies now while my mum's still young enough to look after them for me. <laughs> so that line I've yeah. resurrected. Sometimes I'll say to a young woman... I've seen you do that, yeah. Yeah, I've, I have no problem with um, taking really old jokes oh. that work. They're like my friends through life. But what's happened there is you've got a bit there and then you've come back at a later date when you're a better comic mm -hmm. and you've gone, well, that 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 bit's good. Take that yeah. out, stick it in the new... Because I, I saw that... I think I, I watched something of yours when I was sort of preparing to chat to you and 
that that bit was a a really solid bit. I can't yeah. remember what what preempted it, but yeah, I remember the punchline. Yeah. Have a baby now while your mum's so young enough to look after it. And then I went and had a baby at forty, <laughs> and my poor mum shuffles over still to look after them for me when I'm gigging. Um, that joke's got a sequel. That's funny. So. Do you like? I had sex education at school. I had to. I had to take a form home that said, "Do you want us to teach your kids about sex? Yes or no?" My mum ticked yes. It's bad enough. I slept with her father. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I mean, it's. I think as a topic, that's a really good end to a joke, isn't it? Right. So here's where my anxiety and ADHD. I can see it. I can see it on this page. That is a good topic. Did I mine it for jokes? No. no. I just trusted some kind of charm to take over <laughs> on the night. I'd get a decent enough titter and then we'd all move on. Yeah, yeah. And so many comics, actually, I think it's so brave of, of comics to say to another comic, I don't think you're mining enough. Mm. I think it's quite a brave thing because like, that you can get a reaction and why are you telling me him didn't me or whatever but actually i did i heard them people said that to me but like but i inside i was like i know but i don't know how to come out of my shell yeah i, I was in a shell and i didn't know do you know what i've written here <laughs> okay so this this dates it um so my worst subject so i'm talking about school this is how young i was yeah like now i wouldn't dream about talking about my math teacher <laughs> You're 48 years old. I love that this what? is your open spot stuff. This is brilliant. Oh, my God. So they didn't teach sex the way they taught other subjects. The teacher didn't go, okay, class, today we're going to learn about sex. Find a partner. Oh, Shappy hasn't got a partner. Never mind, you'll have to make a threesome. <laughs> or better still, come with me. <laughs> so you see that? That was me joking about fucking my teacher. Yeah. I have no idea how that went down. But there's definitely room there for a threesome joke. Like, a, do you know what I mean? I've got an amazing threesome joke now. Have you? Which in, I'm gonna in, do in now. your new set? No, no. Yeah. Go, go watch Shappy do it live. Not, no. not the the joke. Yeah, the joke. Do <laughs> do your other guests do their actual jokes on here? No, not really. Very rarely, unless they're talking about how they've changed something well, or. Well, the threesome joke it. I do now is like um, how I'm a mum, so I'd ruin a threesome. I'd kill the buzz. You know, right. in the threesome, it would be me going, Stephen, Stephen, let Mark have a turn. Share, share the paddle. Right, so there you go. I've sacrificed a joke in in situ. That room. I, lo I love that I feature this joke as well. Oh, yeah, you're Mark and Steve. So Mark and Steve are the names of all of my male friends from my youth. Really? Yeah. And my friend, my friend, sorry, my daughter. <laughs> That's nice. My, my daughter um, finds it hilarious that I've got a friend called, so I'm friends with Mark Steele. And, oh, yeah. and I'll go, oh, Mark's coming over. And she just giggles at his name. Mark, <laughs> that's such a funny name, huh, Mark? And her best friends are Betty and Mabel. So, it is, so in, in my sets, whenever there's a bloke, I, or if they're always a Mark or a Steve, you're, you're young for a Mark, actually, Mark. Yeah. Um, I was, you know what? It's so weird. But yesterday when I was driving back from the gig, I, I had this, just this, you know how your brain just sort of goes all over the shop? I was just thinking it's such a weird name. It's yeah. what, like it's Mark. Mark. It's such an odd thing. And then I was thinking... Well, why is it? And then I thought, oh, it's biblical as well, isn't it? So it's old. It's not like yeah. it hasn't been fought through over the years. Like, it's not like a sudden... Make your mark, a mark on your character. What marks did you well, get? It, maybe it's funny because that's such a, a, a punnable name and that's mm -hmm. the sort of thing I do. But I've never done a joke on that. my name. I've never... It, it's because Mark is such a common name that we don't think of it as mm. odd. I mean, I mean, it's not odd, but we, we it's just, it's Mark. <laughs> yeah. It's like saying making a pun out of table or. Yeah, but I don't think there are many marks about really. There's no anymore. young mark. Like there, there isn't a single mark in my uh, either there? of my children's. Oh, I'm offended actually. I'm offended that my name's not been used anymore. Why? I actually think I looked this up, and there are some names that are, haven't been given to kids at all in the last year, um, and some of them are really common ones from. 
maybe maybe, maybe it's an anti-biblical thing maybe it's that kind of because it's not no because because jacob's back noah's back right you know names like jacob and noah are huge like there's noah one two and three in my kids um class oh normally Um, they come in pairs thank you there we go that's a pun comic (laughs) there you go you can have that if you want to the comic brain isn't hung over Um, so then I'm still on this hilarious topic of um, maths and school. I remember performing this bit. Right. I used to say, um, my worst subject at school was maths. I still can't count. Maths can fuck off. That was the joke. So what I used to do <laughs> the joke was I used to shout, maths can fuck off. That's what I used to say when I was a youngster. And I'd That's say... So Teachers were so fanatical about it. You must learn your times tables because maths will be relevant in any career you choose. Well, I've been doing stand-up comedy for three years now and no one's ever heckled me with seven times seven. <laughs> so I've been doing it for three years. I reckon there's a joke there where you're like, for three years, or is it four? Hang on, let me try and... See, there you go. That's a joke. I didn't do jokes back then. That's I what I mean, but you... Bad. That's what I mean, like, if you'd have... Like like you are now, back then, you'd have looked at that and probably kept found that. Oh, yeah. I told my mum when I was um, at, so when I was in my 20s, I told her that I'd taken up, hold on. I've said, okay, I don't know. I'm not 100% sure what the setup here is. <laughs> but it was something like in my 20s, that was it. My mum saw a pack of tampons in my room and my mum said, aren't you scared they'll break your hymen? And I say, mum, I'll always love you, but we will never talk. <laughs> and I currently do stuff. I, I wish I had a pen. That's really good. I'm currently doing stuff about why the Ladette culture appealed to me so much, why I went hell for leather with the whole 90s one night stand culture. Um, And it was because my mum was so puritanical. She'd always like say, you know, um, when I started fancying boys, she'd go, she sat me down and she went, these feelings you are having, these feelings are for whores. (laughs) <laughs> I'm not a whore, so you will not have these feelings. And I'm just thinking that line about, aren't you scared tampons will break your hymen? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, mother. And then, I, then I'm going to have a load of fun writing really filthy material. It's like, yeah, I'm never going to tell you about what I did, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, um, yeah. See, there you go. It was there somewhere, the joke. Didn't get it back in the 90s, but here we are. That's so fun. This is great. I'm, I'm going to read this without even knowing what it is, right? Children are lied to about everything, about the Tooth Fairy, Father Christmas, God, even children's books lie. I spent half my childhood in the back of cupboards trying to get into Narnia. <laughs> I mean, again, the idea is is adorable, yeah. but I mean, that's in, on no planet can that be classified as a joke. No, but I... I, I can really relate to this going through my first open spot sort of notebook of just you because you don't really know what a joke is do you but it's at that point you don't know how to spark the laugh because it's definitely an it's a it's a funny idea do you know what I mean but but it's just it hasn't got the bite has it that's the it's the bite yeah yeah and then now when we write jokes um we know immediately if it has or not we don't i I mean i don't need to see a joke on paper to know if it's going to work and and also the sheer confidence i have now compared to this notebook the the (laughs) poor girl (laughs) that scribbled in this notebook is unreal at the time when I wrote this notebook, it, I I would sit in cars with other comics and I wouldn't open my mouth to speak. Like I wouldn't talk to yeah. them. I was so shy, so shy. So, so I've got. Um, I lived with a boyfriend for a while. He came to our. My mum came to our flat. I showed her around. Showed her the bedroom. 
She was shocked. She said, Shappy, you're so naive. You sleep next to this man night after night and you never think one day he might try and take advantage of you. <laughs> now, that's something my mum actually said. Mm, that is funny. That I've taken word for word. Shapurak Kassandi! Hashtag Hawuga! What a guest. Well done, Mark. What a guest. I got that guest. Yeah, well done, That's on me, Joe. Huge. Thank you. What a return. Back with a bang. What a return. And if you want more Shapurak Kassandi, you can head over to patreon.com for slash jokes with Mark for some bonus content, including... Another 361 Jokes 5 at a time episode. There's loads over there now. So if you haven't signed up to Patreon, get over there. And there is podcast galore, Joel. Hours and hours and hours. If you are one of those people we mentioned in the intro that has all that time off around Christmas, what a better way to spend it. What a better way. Listening to all the bonus content. And give us some feedback at Jokes with Mark across all social media. Um, Joel. Joel, I'm just... Looking over my notes just to make sure there's nothing. Oh, that's what I was going to say, Joel. As we're back with a bang, if you have never gone to Apple Podcasts and mm-hmm. left us a mm-hmm. five-star mm-hmm. review, we would love it to come back with a huge whack of a huge whack of big reviews. old whack, big, big old, whack of reviews, big old review whack. Please get yourself over there, uh, Joel. Is there anything more for you? Nothing more from me, Mark. Anything more from you? Nothing more from me, Joe. Hashtag Awuga, everybody. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.